0: Well, turn with me to Proverbs 16 and verse 32. Comes my turn to speak tonight at Lindsay. So as soon as services are over here, we won't hang around long. So don't think we're mad or upset with anybody. We'll be leaving pretty quick after services. Proverbs sixteen and verse thirty two. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit that than he that taketh a city. You know, in those days to go out and conquer a city it was a it was a job, I mean it was it was a risk. Especially if those cities had high walls around them and things like that. Uh, it was a difficult thing to conquer a city, to take a city. But he said, he that can control his own spirit is greater than he. The ability to control oneself, oneself one's spirit, one's attitudes and things like that is very, very important. We can all do a better job at it. I would imagine I can, I know. I don't spend enough time at it. You know, Benjamin Franklin, I think he would take a week or two or three, maybe a month, I don't know. He'd work, work, work on one particular virtue, you know, like peace or happiness or different ones that he would pick out and spend a whole week or maybe it's two weeks concentrating on that. And I don't know whether that helped him. I, I, w- I wouldn't think that it could possibly not help him as far as that is concerned. And especially if you've got a particular thoughts of some kind, go to work on it. I tell the kids, I've always told the kids, work on your attitude. Work on how you sound. Work on how you look. Because when you go to dealing with people, lots of times they'll judge you, the first judgments, you know, about you may be wrong. They may make you, they may think you don't like somebody when you do or something, you know. So it's very important to try to control your lang- your yourself in all aspects. You know the Bible talks about uh, what is Second Peter chapter one. You know, giving all diligence, add to your faith uh, virtue, into virtue, knowledge, and knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brother kindness. So we're to work on those kind of things in our life. The particular thing that he has in mind here in controlling your own spirit is anger. That's what he's talking about in particular. You could apply this to a lot of different things controlling your spirit, but what he has in mind is anger. You know, the Bible says a furious man, a furious man abounds in transgressions. You know what abound is? That's over and beyond and more than to abound in something, you know. There's a lot of good things we ought to abound in, the Bible talks about. But we should not abound in in our angers. Because when we do, there's abundant transgressions, sins, and things that will d- come from that. So you n- really need to get a hold on your anger. Someone says, well, Jesus got angry, didn't he? Yeah, in Mark chapter 3 and verse 5. Jesus perceived the hardness of their heart. And he was angered because of it. And that's what people call righteous indignation. And sometimes we have a tendency, maybe, to use that as an, an an excuse. Yes, I'm angry with them, but I'm angry because of a righteous reason. Are you sure? Now Jesus knew what was in man. He needed not that anyone should testify what was in man, for He was knew what was in man. I think that's the last, of the second chapter, of John. And uh, Jesus knew, but you and I don't. 1 Corinthians 3, uh, 2 and verse 11. No man knows the things of a man save the spirit of the man that's in him. Jesus could see your, your heart. He can see their heart. He can see your heart right now. If Jesus gets angry about something, it's surely righteous indignation. But we'd better be careful excusing our anger for righteous indignation. God got angry with, with Israel, the Bible says, and in, uh, 2 Kings 17 and verse 18, First Kings chapter 11 and verse 9, God got angry with Solomon. And then in, uh, in Psalm 7 and verse 11, it says God is always angry with the wicked. We're, we're talking about God and Jesus, and they know what, they know what's going on in his life. They know for sure. You and I don't know that. No man knows the things of man save the spirit of the man that's in him. You can't see, you can see things on the outside that appears to be this way or appears to be that way or some other way, but you may be wrong entirely, you know, and get angry and upset. I remember one time I got a little bit angry with David Minson. Got a little upset with him. Well, they were, some of the guys were fixing to go to Nigeria for the first time and about four days beforehand they said, Jerry, we need a track on the classes because that's the issue over there. So um, I wrote this track and went over it and over it and over it and revised it here and there and, and uh, got through and everything. And Later, David said, and David was putting out a lot of tracks, in." said, Jerry, can I use that as a track? Put that down as a track. I said, yeah, but don't change anything about it, David, unless you ask me first. I don't mind you changing it. As a matter of fact, I don't mind you using the thoughts and putting your own name on it. But said, if you change it in my name or something, I want you to be sure to tell me first. David put got that track and put it together. And when he got through, when I saw it, it didn't seem to resemble what I had written at all. I was told Cheryl, I said, that really upsets me. And then... Uh, I thought, well, I better kind of keep my anger under control before I snap off and say something I shouldn't say. So I pulled out my, uh, pulled out the original track I had and compared it with David's. One word was different. <laughs> <laughs> Only one was different, you know. Well, I'd gone over it so many times and it all changed so much and all that I didn't even recognize my own track, my own, uh, my own track, you know. And the the one he changed was a grammar change that he made. (laughs) (laughs) Which, if you know me very well, you can understand that. need to make a change. But, you know, you don't always know what's going on. What's going on in people's mind or this or that. And the Bible says a a furious man abounds in transgressions. So you want to try to stay away from that. And like I said, righteous indignation. You'd better be careful because you really don't know, don't know the heart of an individual when you deal with them. All you can do is see from that side and try to judge unless they tell you, I'm angry or upset. The Bible says, uh, uh, make no friends with an angry man in Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25. Do You wonder why some people why people shun you sometimes? Maybe you've got an uncontrolled temper. They don't want to deal with your uncontrolled temper, you know. Uh, it's just anger anger, and temper. It's just a bad, bad thing. I had a meeting in Arcoma one time. Do you all know where Arkoma is? Well, as you can guess, it's on the Arkansas-Oklahoma line, and I know, know Vernon knows about that place. Well, I had a meeting. I stayed with a fellow by the name of McBride, and I talked on the tongue that night. And, uh, about gossip and this and that and various different things. And, uh, when, when the service was over, went back and I was staying with Sam McBride and his wife. They had a old pot-bellied stove in the corner of that living room and that's where they got their heat. And, uh, his wife was fixing some snacks and all for us to eat. And he said, Well, Jerry said, I enjoyed your sermon very much. And he said, You know, God, when he created you and I with a tongue, he put it in a box. All we've got to do is keep the box closed. <laughs> uh, An a nose and throat specialist one time, I was having trouble with my, with, with my boys and all, and, and he said, and Jerry, God put the strongest muscle in the body right there in that jar to keep that box closed. You know, I, I learned that when I was pretty young. If I was kind of upset about something, I need to kind of just close my head And don't talk at all until I get over that. Because if I start talking while I'm four, i know what you know we're into it and things like that. Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't have a real bad <coughs> temper when I was young. I had an experience or two that taught me something about temper and anger. I know one time I was trying to take the wheel off of a tractor. Did you all ever do that? Well it's kind of like taking a wheel off of off of a car you know and but i couldn't get that lug l- loose couldn't get it loose to get it off and oh i worked and worked on it had a little ball pin hammer tapped on that nut a little bit you know i thought maybe this was kind of jar or something loose you know this kind of stuck or something i kept working on that and Worked, and i i couldn't get it on i finally got angry i reached up and grabbed that ball pin hammer I hit that tire like that, boom, bop, back like that. <laughs> I'm not trying to be a comedian up here, please don't misunderstand me, but I, that taught me a lesson. You know, if that had been a claw hammer, I might not have any eyes now. I don't know. <laughs> but it didn't, didn't turn out too good, did it? I guess I got the lug off later, got got me in a cheater or something to put on the end of that wrench or something. I don't know how I got it off. Well, that helped get temper off of me. I remember one, another time that uh, we milked cows when I was growing up. We milked cows by hand. We didn't even have a barn, so we milked outside. And uh, I was milking Brownie. That's one of the cows we had, old Brownie. We're milking her one morning, uh, one, uh, probably a Saturday morning. It was otherwise, I'd have been at school, I think. But anyway, I was milking Brownie. And she raised her foot up and stuck it in that bucket with the milk that was in there well i had to pour that milk out you know and wash her bag again rinse that bucket out real good you know and start again now brownie was one of the milder cows we ever had i don't know she wasn't trying to kick it she just moved her foot into that bucket now usually when i was when i was milking i'd milk with my head in her flank you know, with my hand back that, here and milking this way. And if she moved it all a little bit, I'd push with that head and that arm, and I'd grab that bucket out of there. I'd done that jillions of times. If anything bad happened, well, I guess I was slow that morning. Second time, she stuck her foot in that bucket. And oh, I thought, oh, my. And, of course, we lose money because we sold milk. what so we did. And uh, so I cleaned everything up again. She she did that the third time, believe it or not, and I was too slow. I couldn't. I don't know why. I got angry. I got up, hit that old cow on the back just as hard as I could on the hip. She just looked at me. That that thick skin she had it didn't faze her. Ooh, pain shot up my arm. That, that turned as purple as a plum right there. Well couple of things like that when you're young can kind of teach you that anger is not all doesn't always come out the way you think that it would come out certainly not uh the bible says in proverbs 19 and verse 11 the discretion now listen to this the discretion of a man defers his anger but it's a glory to a man to pass over a transgression so when it comes to anger don't get angry that's the first thing Something happened, don't get angry. Usually we get angry when someone has mistreated us, maybe, or said something to us, and we snap back, but the Bible says a soft answer turneth away wrath. So the way to deal with someone that's maybe hadn't treated you right, or at least you didn't think they'd treated you right, is just to pass over that, you know. It's a glory to a man to pass over a transgression. We admire people like that, don't we? I know it uh at uh, Chickasha, Oklahoma, when I lived there, brother uh, brother Pettigrew. If y'all ever knew Von, Von Pettigrew, uh, well, this was his uh, this was his uncle is who it was. But I saw him get chewed out one time by this lady, and he hadn't done something that she wanted done. My, she just chewed him, and he just stood there. He didn't get angry or anything. He just sat there and listened to what she. I'd say He said, well, we'll have to see about that. You know, I thought, my, my, my. When I was younger, I had a hard time dealing with that like I should have probably. And like I said, I didn't have a quick temp- temper, uh, bad temper when I was young. Uh, but you, you need to be careful about a temper. First of all, Passover transgression. It's to your glory, you know, not to get offended at things, to, to take them. And we all admire people like that, don't we, that are able to do that. But, if you're gonna get angry, don't get angry fast. Be slow to anger. James 1, 19 and 20, the, the anger of a man worketh not the righteousness of God. And it certainly doesn't. It says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Someone say, well, I got a quick temper, but I get over it quick. That's no That's a cop-out. That's an outright cop-out. The Bible warns you and I to not to be angry. It says be If you're angry, sin not, you know. Keep yourself under control. But if you're going to get angry, be slow to anger. There's another passage similar to that in Proverbs 14, verse 17. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. Proverbs 14, verse 19. Be slow to wrath. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. He that is hasty of spirit excelleth in folly. He that is slow to anger appeases strife. So if you're going to get angry, get angry slow because that's, that's no, that's not a good excuse for being angry because I get angry but I get over it quick. Well that's good if you can get over it quick. But that's no excuse for getting angry. The Bible said be slow to anger what it says you get angry quick you send immediately right like that because the bible says be slow to anger and if you're angry don't sin. keep that under control close the box lock it tight and uh, don't even think about opening it till you get over whatever you're upset about Ephesians four twenty six, be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down on your wrath. So get over it. And it's good if you get over it before before the sun goes down. I remember a situation with my brother Kenneth. Kenneth had trouble with his anger. I think he's really got it under control now. He's got more books on temper and anger and how to control it in his library than I ever saw in anyone's library. So Kenneth has worked at it. When he's young, he can get angry pretty quick. Especially if he thought someone else had been mistreated or something like that. Uh, one Saturday morning, Kenneth was milking the cows. And of course, cows, there were some cuckoos around the edge of the, edge of the, a lot where we milk the cows, there's cuckaburs out in the field. Do you all know what a cucklebur is? I see a lot of heads going like this. I imagine there's a number of y'all have never seen a bird. A cucklebur is about that big around, something about like that. It's got all these spikes sticking out of it. Someone called it a porcupine egg. Of course, it's it's not. But those cuckleburs get in the tails of those cows. And when you're milking a cow, then the flies are... Splitting around, they try to swat, swat at those flies. those cows do. If they ever wrap you across the face with a tail full of cuckaburs, you know you've been swiped, you know, you know. Well, Kenneth, he got he got swiped by. We usually had a way to hold that tail down, you know, where they didn't do that. But he got swatted, tail full of cuckaburs. He got up. Dad and I were standing back at the, at the kitchen, you know, looking out the back window and saw Kenneth down there. Kenneth got up, he marched over to the edge of the lot, he yanked a cucklebur up. About like that, you know. And he marched like this, and we had a creek. It was probably about three or four hundred feet on the east side of our uh, west side of our property, and he threw that cucklebur in in that creek. And he came back up, he pulled another one up. I don't know how many cuckleburrs he pulled up. <laughs> when he came back to the house, my just kind of grinning and said, Kenneth, uh, what's going on out there? He said, well, I was angry. I thought I might as well use my anger for something profitable. And I'm going to get rid of those birds. <laughs> so find, find a good outlet for your, for your anger. But the worst outlet you can use is your tongue. Keep that tongue in your box, in its box. Genesis chapter 4, there's a man by the name of Cain. He had a brother by the name of Abel. And you remember the story probably in, in Genesis chapter 4. They both offered sacrifices unto God. God accepted Lot's, uh, uh, not Lot, but Abel's sacrifice because it was what God wanted. But he rejected Cain's sacrifice. Now I'm not going to go into details about the story except to point out that he was very angry, uh, Cain was very, very angry. And God kind of cautioned him about that. He said, be careful because sin lies at the door. Well, he didn't get it under control. He got angry with his brother out in the field, rose up and killed him, slayed his brother. First murder that you ever read of in history. Uh, One of the sons of uh, Adam and Eve. Can. Well, his anger, you see, he just got angry and upset because things didn't go like he wanted them to go. Psalms 106 verse 32 and 33. You remember the story in, in Numbers chapter 11 about Moses leading the Israelites into an area and they were complaining because it had no water. They were thirsty. Uh, they weren't about to die, but that's what they said. You let us out here in the wilderness to die. Been better off to stay back in the land of Egypt. And uh, so Moses went to God about it. God says, speak to the rock, and it will bring forth water. Well, this is the second time he'd been in this area. It's the second time that uh, they had begged for water and complained. The first time, God told him to strike the rock. But the second time, God told him, speak to the rock. And Moses, together, the Israelites together, got his brother Aaron up there beside him. He says, here now, you rebels, must we fetch water for you. And he struck that rock. Well, no, God didn't want him to strike the rock. told him to speak to it. He shouldn't have done that. But there's more to it than that. This passage in Psalms 106, verse 32 and 33 The Bible said they provoked his spirit that he spake ill-advisedly with his lips. Now, he shouldn't have struck the rock. And I'm not going to make too much of a deal out of that. But God told Moses when he did that, he said, "Uh, you have not exalted me in the eyes of the children of Israel. In other words, Moses and Aaron taking the credit for the the water coming out, they said, must we fetch water for you? Well, they, they couldn't bring water out of a rock. God could do that, and God was going to do that through them, but it wasn't them that brought the water out of that rock. Now Moses had gotten angry before a time or two with the Israelites. He didn't sin, but this time he did. And the Bible says, The people provoked his spirit that he spake ill-advisedly with his lips, not giving God the credit and the glory for bringing the water out. You ever stop and think about that water coming out of that rock? Did you ever stop and think about it? How many of the Israelites were there? Well, at least 600,000 men. They probably had wives. And then the, probably some children. We're talking about 2 or 3 million people and their flocks, their, their, their burrows they had and the cattle that they had and things like that. How much water had to come out of a rock? I mean, it wasn't a little trickling stream. It wasn't like my daughter-in-law's refrigerator. You push the deal under there and it... You're talking about a river of water coming out of that rock. My, there's a tremendous amount of water came out of that rock. But it affected Moses. And God told, told Moses, because you've done this, you will not enter the promised land. Well, Why? Moses lost a little track, lost track a little bit about who was really doing what. God didn't want Moses when he could have been a general, 40 years old. Eighty years later, he took an old man that had been tending to sheep for 40 years. God wasn't looking for a general, God was looking for a lieutenant. Not someone that would take charge, but someone that would lead as God instructed him to lead. And uh, Moses evidently had become a little more uh, egotistical about his relationship to Israel and all. Well, I'd encourage each of you to work on your anger, temper, if you've got one. It, uh, it'll always cause trouble, always will. And once it's done, you can't take the words back. Now, people can forgive you and try to forget about it. There'll be some people who remember what you did and what you said. Just keep the box closed, keep it closed, and then it won't lead to to any problems. Well, that's all I have to say this evening, I guess. Y'all want me to pick another sermon out and go for about 20 minutes on it? Would that be all right? Well, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We're going to leave pretty soon after services, like I said, because we have to get back to Lindsay for church services there at 6 o'clock. But I've really enjoyed being here. You know, I got a phone call from one of the elders at Plainview back in the 1970s. They said, Jerry, we're starting a church in Denton, Texas. Can you get over and help them start? So we're sending a fellow from here by the name of Ralph Colick, And so I got over there, and Ralph, and Ralph and I knocked many, many doors here in Denton. Spent quite a bit of time here when this church got started. And I've always enjoyed my association with this congregation we're going to sing an invitation song and if you're here this evening and you haven't been baptized into christ for the remission of your sins we'd like to encourage you to do that now the bible says today is acceptable time today is the day of salvation second corinthians 6 and verse 2 that's the best time to obey the gospel right now you know, a decision you make in life is not complete unless you have a time element in it. You know, Cheryl and I—we decided we were going to get married, but things were not really real firm until we decided when. It didn't take us two or three days to decide when. But that's what you know—a person. Yes, I'm going to obey the gospel someday. When? Well, someday. You will never obey the gospel until you make up your mind when you're going to do it. And remember the Lord's advice, today is a day of salvation. Today is acceptable time. So if you're here and you've been thinking about being baptized, but you haven't quietly done anything about it yet, you evidently don't have a time element involved in that when you're going to do it. But we'd like to encourage you to, if you need to be baptized, to step forward. The gentlemen, uh, the men in the congregation, will assist you. You could be baptized just right, right now, just a little bit. Could be. And there's nobody would be happier but the Lord, and you over that matter. If you desire the prayers of the church for some reason or other, we'd encourage you to come too. Will you come? I was we'll saying an invitation. song.